Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to the show, where we talk about TV shows with our friends. And we are back for an episode of Shows with Friends to talk about Atypical, episodes two and three. This was a Netflix original show that Eli chose. So Eli, take it away. Atypical indeed. This show is one of my favorites in recent years, and it hits on a lot of different levels. And two and three, I think, really plunge us deeper into these characters and this story and give us a lot more to think about and uh, to chew on. And one thing I love about this show is that while it focuses on a main character, as we talked about last episode, the whole family and community, tight community around him is really involved. And we are now clearly seeing in two and three longer term storylines and effects of... The reality, um, which is, you know, at the time he was a baby and child, um, seemingly a very intense diagnosis in reality to care for him um, and how that affected all their lives. So, Steve, I know this show is both uh, fun and funny, but also certainly tackling pretty deep topics and um, from the obvious um, tackling neurodivergence and autism to just intense family dynamics and emotional relationships. So watching two and three and on the heels of that amazing pilot, what are the characters, scenes, plot lines that really stuck out to you as we head into two and three? Yeah, I really like atypical and i would almost agree with you that it's definitely one of the better shows i've seen in a minute and if we're talking about you know just just narrative television centered around a family tackling a big issue uh, before i get into like scenes and characters i just want to talk a bit about what i appreciate about this show the tone mm. of it to me like they're handling really heavy issues here and they're and they're complex yeah this notion of being on the spectrum of raising a child on the spectrum at an early age diagnosis and as they grow older and be, get into young adulthood and starting to gain independence like all teenagers yearn yeah. for and seek and for me 
I like how they still keep the show pretty lighthearted and there's a lot of really good comedy to it. Yeah. And all the actors seem to have a really impressive range, both comedically and dramatically. Um, that yeah. That's what really kind of peeks out to me. And it shifts very quickly, right? From his quirkiness at school to then him being treated intensely by his mm-hmm. peers. And there's sort of multiple scenes where this comes about and it sort of creeps up on you a bit. There in, And I really liked the second episode a lot. I liked the third as well, but the second one, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, I think we talked about, I forget which show it was that I was like, that's not a good job by me, but where I was like, this is the best second episode of a show that I've seen. I think it was the first show that you picked. Casual, it was maybe, oh, casu- yeah. casual, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say atypical second episode was on par with that second episode of casual. I just the nice the the layers it started to peel off of everybody and the history of the family. I, I there was something really about the second episode that just launched this show. And yeah. I think it was in the second episode where he's exploring um, doing research about girls, right? He's like, I'm going to start, yeah. like, you know, getting with a girl, so I'm going to research her. And so it was that scene with this bully girl from the first episode who actually is in this position of like being sort of understanding to him. And then that group of friends all kind of jump on him, right? And, and start right. making fun of him. And she's like in a position of defense or, um, almost being an antagonist in the second episode in a weird way. Right, um, and she's the girl she, that his sister punches in the first one, right? Exactly, yeah. And so all <laughs> of a sudden she's like, guys. the sister's love interest's younger sister who they go to school with. <laughs> exactly. <It's laughs> so a, interconnected. Full circle, yeah, it's so interconnected and I thought really smart. There's just something about this show that is so intelligently put together. And remember, as they're, when I was talking about the writing of the pilot, like the opening 10 minutes, it took a while. Almost like yeah. when you start a bike, it just takes a while to kind of get going. It it dawned on me after watching these two episodes just how good the writing of this show is. And it it was something that kind of seeped in and grew over time. And I, and I appreciate a lot more after yeah. watching these two episodes and just how complex and well done and rich and like you're talking about how the different character arcs start to evolve and the worlds of each character start to expand as we get into two and three. Yeah. And it's just really, really well done across the board and, and everyone remains really likable. I think it's hard. The, this, the past reveal of the father Yep. dipping out for eight months, just running away because that's how he dealt. And then now the mother, after this whole lifetime of her identity just being in like emergency mode, crisis mode, right? And then yeah. her transition from that into herself and falling into the arms of a bartender just to escape. That's like the father had his escape when it was too much for him. This is her version of, this, of the an escape one could argue it's far more destructive or not. I don't know. Like it's 
it's interesting. The show gets you really thinking about human relationships, connections yeah. to not only others, but ourselves and our own stability of what mm-hmm. we need. That final shot of this third episode with just the daughter running. Yeah. At, at, as her understanding of her relationship with her father is more grounded in reality. She's like, I am alone and I'm going to run alone. I thought that symbolically was an an amazing way to end the third episode and what yeah. we've kind of seen her go through. And she was running yeah. hard, right? Like she was work she's like, I gotta be by myself and work through this in my run, in my own way that I'm gonna get out and get on with my life. Yeah. And in her element and in the, you know, previous scene where she's running with her dad and, you know, it's awkward. He is also like she's making fun of him for his running form, basically. And like right. he's clearly not really able to keep up anymore. Like she's yeah. kind of hanging back with him. So that's a great point. I didn't even I didn't even put that together with that final shot. Why that was so powerful? Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's yeah. now this revelation that like she didn't know that he had left them, um, and that's present as well. However, there is also just like the arc in these three episodes, and two, as you said, is so strong. Three advances and hints to where everyone's story's going and just drops everything from bombs of the reveal of the mom, you know, giving in to the temptation to all these little gems and jewels, you know, mm-hmm. the one girl in school noticing Sam's shirt, the whale yeah. shirt, and his response that moment is just amazing towards the you know latter part of three. His response: Are you being sarcastic? No, I love it. I, okay. I love. Then thanks. You know, like that moment. So of inc- promise. It's so incredible that moment. If we could just talk about it for a second, I'm yeah. so glad you brought it up because yeah. I think it was intentionally this fleeting moment. Oh yeah, it goes goes back to just how well structured and written these episodes are. This notion. So there's so much in that scene, right? So he's his sole focus for the past two episodes has been like getting a girlfriend or getting into girls or getting a practice girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. And his, I can't call it foible, his nature, right? Like it gets in his way from seeing an opportunity there. And it, what it does or what it did for me and what it, I think it does is it, it brings you back to this is this person's given circumstances and this is his main obstacle that he, when other characters are saying you're this, you're that, or I think the girl who was the bully from the first episode says he's don't guys, he's not all there. Right. And that yeah. elicits that huge, like emotional response, intense response from him. Right. Even where he was like, I am all there. I am all there. And it's, yeah, it was dead. And, yeah. And that, listen, I'm not necessarily, I'm not on the spectrum, but like I've had moments like that where like a moment with a girl just goes completely over my head and, yeah, you know, like I don't get that she's talking to me for whatever reason. You know, like that is a, there's so much about what's going on with him that's completely typical <laughs> and then right. also atypical, right? Like, in, yeah. and that 
also her, this girl, they give you a little sprinkle. It's like she's she too is seems peculiar. And then it, it raises, I think, a giant overall theme of this show, overarching theme of what is atypical. Right. And like we we discussed this in the previous episode of Shows with Friends, that nobody's normal, mm-hmm. that the spectrum is very wide and we all live in it in some spot on it. We're all somewhere on it, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So I just loved that moment, how it captured him, his characters. There's a lot when you talk about storytelling, the character, what a character wants, mm-hmm. right? So, and then what are the obstacles that they face to overcome getting what they want? And that to me was so fascinating to see him not be able to recognize this moment. And we've watched him with his friend at the store being like, dude, you got to smile back. So it's like, he's been like kind of learning or trying to learn this. And then in this quick moment, it's just so understandable. He gets, he, he, there's so much stimulation from his high school everywhere and people are on him. Right, like you said, he's like, "Are you make? Are you being sarcastic? Yeah, is this the moment where I'm being made fun of? Yeah, no." And he he only could process that; he couldn't process the person in front of him giving him the information. Right, seemingly. And what I yeah. love about um, that, because I agree, you know, with what you pointed out, and um, what I love about that moment, though, in the writing and storytelling is that if you go back to what Julia told him about hmm. new clothes, right, in the you know third episode, and then how he settled on what he settled on at the store, right? He bought the shirt he wanted and the loud, crinkly, jangly hmm. leather jacket that Zahid wanted because Zahid's the coolest dresser, best, you know... Biggest ladies' man that Sam knows, so he bought that, and then the amazing scene where he throws it off. That scene was fun, right? Where he, yeah. <laughs> the teacher's like, "Sam, are you okay?" And so all of that culminates in him walking down, you know, through the hallway, and he's now just wearing his whale T-shirt over a long sleeve shirt, which I know is a a style back from the 90s when we were in high school, the t-shirt sure. over the long sleeve. And what Julia had said to him is, you know, find your style, find what you're comfortable in. Meanwhile, at the shop, his mom wants to put him in, you know, the same classic, like really boring stuff. Zahid wants to put him in Zahid clothes, right? They're both kind yeah. of pushing their agenda on Sam. Sam finds this one shirt he likes, and it actually produces the desired response in a female of the same age. Now, Sam clearly doesn't realize it, but I think that it's like elicited that and produced that moment is meaningful and, oh, yeah. um, you know, goes to show you that amongst all the sort of societal pressure and everything, being yourself is always the move and is always the best path to being seen by someone for who you are, which is part of Julia's message as well in this. And what I also love in, you know, the whole like typical atypical thing 
as we talk about that is, you know, Sam is so literal, right? And in that moment, he just like, he thinks he's being made fun of, right? He asks like, are you being sarcastic? Like, no, okay, then thanks and walks off, right? And so he's kind of oblivious and in a way, if he were, so he's, you know, towards the end of high school, right? He's gonna graduate soon, they keep saying, so he's 17, 18. If he were even just 14, a lot of these behaviors wouldn't seem that strange, right? Mm. It's just a shy kid. So is it really even that atypical, any of the stuff he's experiencing for a teenager, more broadly? And, you know, then I've been told many times that I'm sort of clueless of the innuendo, especially in communication when I was younger around, you know, people of the opposite sex and uh, in romantic situations, just like you said, you know, we're sort of all guilty of a lot of, or not even guilty, it's not guilty at all. It's just like, this is a natural part of life and so much of what Sam's experiencing is so natural, um, but yet the storytelling of that, well, sure, and he's like, a senior, I think he's a senior in high school, right? So he's probably 18 or almost 18. He's gonna... Well, no, I think this... Oh, yeah. So it's a younger sister, right? Younger he's sister. junior, senior. She's so He's a junior right? or senior, yeah. yeah. So he's an upperclassman in high school. Um, and he is... Like, the things around sort of social cues, right? And not understanding in the moment necessarily what's going on when he's being made fun of or being complimented, right? Um, yeah. Those are things that developmentally, you know, we think of people learning at a younger age to some degree. Um, but who says that that's typical, right? And so here, you know, here we are in this story of Sam who obviously by societal standards is atypical, hence the naming of the story, yet every situation and moment, I think, is so relatable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how hard is it to be in, slow down in the moment, even now, as adults, forget about when you were sure. a teenager in high school. One thing that that moment also made me realize, and it was possibly a slow build, so you and I, we went to a smaller high school, relatively. This, this show's high school seems very expansive yeah very big yeah big track program big like th the notion that he there's people around this school that he doesn't know because it's so big sure it seems kind of a big open campus yep public and yeah it's like if like you were an I public school absolutely i just myself i thought to myself like man if i had worn a coat like that or tried to switch up my style midway through or later in high school, <laughs> right. would have gotten like really ragged on, or it would have been pointed out. You know, I would have heard about it. Sure. And so I think it's interesting that it shows me kind of the size of the high school that he, for half a day or however long, probably the morning, wore that jacket. Right. Without anyone saying anything or looking twice, you know, just noticing him necessarily until he got so uncomfortable he had to he had to rip it off. Yeah. And of course, my mind went to be like, no, just return it. That was probably expensive. Why are you throwing it in the trash? <laughs> yeah. Get more t-shirts. <laughs> and I think what's interesting about, you know, the third episode especially is you see that, you see him encounter 
some unknown girl seemingly his age, which definitely never, ever, ever would have happened in our high school. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then you also get the sense that Sam has been in the background and, you know, due to various factors, largely his being on the spectrum, that's sort of the way, you know, he's needed to be. And so I think what we're seeing, and once again, um, you know, in the last episode we touched on this briefly, is like we're dropped into a story at an inflection point at a very interesting point, of course, because <laughs> we didn't like you don't want to see the five years of <laughs> prologue, do you? Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, point being that stuff is shifting and Sam's attempting to step to the fore, attempting to date, attempt, you know. So Sam's really stepping out. And so I think you have combined that he, they're in this big, seemingly very large, <laughs> open campus, big public school. And he's a very, like, you know, anonymous character, stand to the back, quiet, you know. People obviously sort of notice him and know who he is a little bit, but just don't know what's up. And that, I think, is illustrated through a couple of these, you know, less favorable interactions. But yeah, and then I think in all of this, you know, story and writing and family still-centric show, I get the sense that Sam is the least, you know, sort of, worrisome in a way um, out of these three characters because now through the first three we see this like real intense uh, sort of undealt with emotional trauma and life to a lot of the other characters um, even the therapist a little bit I mean there's like a lot of dark stuff comes out through two and three yeah but that that's what makes it great to watch, you know, mm -hmm. with this main character, because there are these slowdown moments where his, I, I hate to call it even a condition, like just the, his, his autism, I'll just define it as what it is. Like yeah. they cinematically, they sort of, sh they do a really good job of stylizing when that shows up, they use sound, they slow down the, the jacket scene, on the in the classroom is a good example of that. Just how like these close-up shots of like the buckle hitting the chair and the sound it was making, and yeah. you get you get brought into his body and experiencing these moments. And I, to me, it's just fascinating because it's a total psychological journey within this. So and, I, and comparatively to the show, I may destroy you that we watched a couple episodes of or three episodes of. It was. I was sort of blown away by how much it got you inside her trauma, her experience, you know, of this one moment and and how they did that. For me, this show does something similar, but it makes it far more watchable. And the and like if I had to compare this show, I was thinking about like the tone of the show, mm -hmm. and I thought about the show Weeds. Mm. Did you ever see that? Um, was, I saw um, a few episodes. Um, but didn't watch Mary Louise Parker. All right, maybe that'll go on the list, but hmm. it like <laughs> it, it has a, it lives in a similar world, right? Where it's sort of 
was a Showtime show, so it was designed for no ads. It's a family. There's some extenuating circumstances. It doesn't have any kind of this mental health or autism vibe to it, but there, it has a similar tone where it's even, it even gets less serious ultimately. But I f- like this twist on the American Family show. Mm-hmm. That was, for me, the atypical has done a great job of taking like a family dramedy, right? And we talked about this with Casual as well. That was a sort of interesting twist on that. Yeah. But this one, this one does that enough by, and then by having the main character be autistic and just really grounding us and him and his journey, like, yeah, it is fascinating to watch. It allows you to give a lot of rope to the other main characters, especially the mom in the way that they did a really good job of setting up her sort of giving in or succumbing to this escape with the bartender because they could have just kept going with her fighting his independence or being worried about him, but they seem to really wrap that up. And at the mall, he really proved he was over it with her getting in trouble being the one who got security called <laughs> and he was fine with his friend shopping. Like and his biggest problem, his biggest problem with there was he didn't really want to get the jacket. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. And, and I've, it's incredibly entertaining. The dynamic of his friend, and how funny he is that he's the ladies man flirting with his mom and all the, all the stuff. And it's just great. And then, so I think, it gets heavier with the other with the other family members, with the father and the daughter and the mom, and there's room for that because of the tone of of this main character and of the tone of the show in general, yeah. being light, funny, and all of their interactions as a family unit are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. There's no like heavy moment, even if there's like fighting or arguing. Like they're they've learned to live together in their life in a way that's entertain, you know, from our perspective is, is pretty entertaining. And as you're watching yeah. each one go through something difficult, like the tone shifts and it, it allows, it really lends itself to this. I, I like this show. I really do. Awesome. Yeah. And as we get these sort of deeper storylines and um, glimpses of, you know, what, what might be to come, the you know scene we, scenes we touched on prior and uh, you know of course the stuff about the dad and then the mom succumbing. I think it's interesting because to some degree we sort of have now a very like um, broader spectrum view of everyone mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I guess for me, it's harder to not to understand the mom's trajectory, but it's harder to forgive the mom. And of course, in three, like it just happened. So I don't know that we're at forgiveness at all. Um, But even just like for continuing to go down and entertain that. And what's hardest for me is like as they reveal this, you know, backstory to the dad. And as we talked about uh, Michael Rappaport 
and Jennifer Jason Lee are so great, both. Um, and I think you said last time, this is, you know, your favorite Michael Rappaport performance you've seen thus far, um, which I think just gets stronger in these. It really does, yeah. He's like, he's leaning in. And so like her stepping out feels like that much more painful to me in the moment. And um, it's interesting because like, as you said, it remains to have this like sort of central theme that's heavy, but light in a way too. And amazing balance. And yet the mom by the end of three is the only character that I'm so like, a heartbroken kind of that she gives it, in it, and it's it's a th- it hurts a thousand a little. percent it does it's thousand percent it's a betrayal and it's it's weird how we <laughs> judge characters when we're watching a tv show sometimes <laughs> and because they mm. kind of that's how they they box us into doing that but sure sure thousand percent is a betrayal in a sense and the way it was sort of dragged out secretively yeah. via text while everyone else was like really living in the reality of what's going on and trying to move come to an understanding and growth within themselves in a certain degree, you know, so, and then yeah. she's just off texting and it's like, well, that's the easy way out. Right. And you're just going to go, but in a way, you know, wow. So it's, it's so complex. It's so layered because you do have this knowledge that she's been the one bearing the brunt of the stress of the, of holding all of this for so long. Sure. So it's it's only because of that. Like I don't dig what she the choice she made in regards to the family and how I'm starting to like this family and even the reveal. At first, you thought the father character had an affair, right? I mean, that was that was sort of what I thought. Right. So it was a good misdirect that it was actually he just dipped, <laughs> and it's like, oh wow, man, yeah, that's tough. I just hold up in a cabin drinking beer for eight months is a long time. Yeah. It's a long and time with small children. That's just to yeah, just to like abandon your family. Like whoa, that's some that is some like Great Depression Dust Bowl era rea- <laughs> male reaction, you know? Yeah. So I, I I hear you a thousand percent that it's the mom. It's intense to watch her work through what she's been going through. But I do want to talk about them as performers a little more because I absolutely. She is, Jennifer Jason Lee is amazing to watch in this show. It's definitely awesome to see her in such a central role, a critical role of a story and driving yeah. the story. So even when um, I'd sort of watch her make a sandwich, you know what I mean? So even with her making this bad decision, it's still, she's she's really captivating in this. And then... sure. Got to talk about Michael Rappaport a little bit in these two episodes because you're right. Like he 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 does get better. The role gets richer, yeah. more complex. The history comes out, and I've I've had an interesting experience watching him with this because a lot of times, when someone's when an actor's personal life can affect how I feel about them when I watch them and something. Mm. And Michael Rappaport, especially in the past few years, like, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to reconcile the person versus the artist sure. and, and, and let go of that. And he's, you know, he's just so been so out there and with his sports personality and 
all the kind of other things that he's done and been in the news about. And I have to say, it's it's almost a rare experience because his performance in this role is so good that I don't think about his real personality at all. Yeah. And I didn't know that that was actually something that could happen. Like, really. Like, I didn't, I didn't have any experience with that and think it was a thing. In a lot of ways, I thought like, oh, when an actor that you like in something, you know, maybe they come out politically or they do something that you're just sort of like, ugh, it kind of, you're like, really? That's how you feel about things? And then it just sort of gives you a color or a, when you see them again, you just, it's in the back of your head. But his, like his work in this transcends his own pop culture personality in it. I have to give him credit because it's just like, I don't know who else has done that Yeah, with like a performance like this, you know? So it's really, and it's subtle. He's not, I think he's just being real. Like I think they're, they're, we talked about, touched on this briefly. Like they just come from this, it's sort of, there's these acting methods and philosophies, you know, there's the method, there's like Nick Cage who, you know, really eat bugs in a scene where right. his character's eating bugs, right? Like, like and Daniel Day Lewis. Exactly. Notorious yeah. Like tyrant. <laughs> Tyrannical method actor. <laughs> yeah. Like even Phil Sarah Hoffman, like embodying a character for a full year of Capote or whatever it was, like twenty four seven. So that then there then there's these other actors who look at the craft a little differently, like it's a craft, like they're punching in and they're going to work. And the one thing they have to do is be real. Yeah. In the real moment of of whatever they're playing and they're doing. And they're just a little more like methodical of it. And they'll go use the method if it serves them being real in the moment, but they won't hurt themselves. They won't they won't go to that extreme psychosis of some of the other examples we're talking about. So it's just that what's really cool about this show is you have these two older actors playing the parents that are from that school. Yeah. Of, of, of a more modern, authentic American acting style. And then you have these two young American actors and they are like right there with them and like bringing up everyone's game. I mean, they, we talked about this last time. The daughter is, they're all just sensational to watch. They are all, four of them, you just cannot take your eyes off them or yeah. be engaged with what they're doing when they are in a scene. They are just like... The whole story is them. It's like it shifts. It's like their movie, their story, and the relationships that they have with each other, the father and the daughter individually, their relationship, the mother and the son individually, their relationship, the father, father individually, the daughter, son, then flip it like all around. They're all very specific in their own arc and relationship, and it's so rich. And that that's sort of what takes me back to the writing. Yeah. It was definitely a great marriage of casting to writing to overall theme of a show or goal of a show to be like, we're going to do a show with a main character that has autism and it's going to be about a family that was dealing with that and to make it as entertaining as they did. Yeah. Really unbelievable. Really great. Really great. I wonder if this is the best show I've seen on Netflix. Like the best offering. Like when Netflix said like, 
we're just going to let creators do whatever they want. We're going to give you free reign. Yeah. We like your concept. We're going to back it and you're going to, we're going to let you run. I feel like it really met this project and has produced like one of the best of what Netflix could do with that model. Right. Hell yeah. Bold, bold words for <laughs> what I, one of them, you know, they made a lot of good stuff. Definitely. Sure. No, definitely. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And in a genre, um, that really, I guess, you know, sort of casual is kind of the direct comp that we've covered being a streaming show and in the dramedy um, realm. But this is not only a deeper level of acting, writing, storytelling. I think it's also just a deeper level of commitment to present day storytelling, right? Like Mm. um, casual, we talked about how, I remember at one point we talked about how this is a very like relatable show being casual, but then you think about Alex and, you know, he's essentially the inventor of Tinder or OkCupid or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not very relatable. Nothing is actually that relatable of their life. This isn't like an everyman life. Um, so to, to look at sort of, you know, I mean, in a way we talked about how many of the shows are kind of alternate takes or different takes on a genre from Goldberg's to dark matter to, um, many of the shows. So in a way, this is just, I think in my opinion, and sounds like yours as well, just one of the best takes on an incredibly fun, watchable, barely over half an hour on, you know, the main episodes are just over 30 minutes, right? So, oh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that family. I couldn't believe comedy. that third episode. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. No, I couldn't believe ahead. that. I couldn't believe that third episode was 32 minutes or 30 minutes. There was just, there was so much to it. And so much. Yeah. And, I'm glad that you brought up Casual, and it was the very first show we did on Shows with Friends. So I think it's kind of cool to reference that. And it, I'm more connected to Atypical, and I'm yeah. more invested in the characters in Atypical. And it, and it does make me consider, like, okay, well, why is that? Because that's kind of interesting, right? And right. I think, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Casual. I never, I didn't really do any internet dating. And, you know, they did a cool show about modern relationships mm-hmm. right and and there's something this show is a show about a family raising a family raising children on the spectrum or coming of age in the spectrum you know and in your family and in everyone's relationship not to sort of distill what it's about in that one sentence because i think it's probably more complex than that but what it unwraps what atypical, what it opens the door to, to me is far more expansive emotionally and psychologically than, than what casual was. And I'm just so for it. Yeah. Um, I really love when any kind of psychology is shown in film or television, especially when it's like a writer, director, or creator. It's a kind of one mind. We talked about this a bit with. Gentleman Jack, and I just, 
there's something so fascinating about that. It's just like oil on canvas. It's just this, there's so much to, for the individual to pull from a show like this Mm -hmm. personally and expand their mind and, and really maybe find more understanding. Yeah. Like learn more about the human condition through watching the show. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And Indeed, I think it is. It's more compelling from a number of standpoints and on a number of levels than most shows. Period. You know, not just casual. And I think we're invested, and probably, you know, more to way more invested than we would be three episodes into most shows because it's this combination of what the story is and this amazing writing and acting, um, just this nexus of writing, creation, production, show running, acting, just everything that helps a show really succeed. And in this medium of it's, you know, there aren't commercial breaks, it's not being produced under these right. strict timelines with the, you know, knowledge in the back of your head that it could literally be canceled at any second. You're sort of locked into how many seasons you're shooting. You know, it's just a much different process and a much more you're able to produce a much more cohesive story. And we I think we really talked about this in casual as well, right? How they maximized this half hour comedy format to give us so much almost cinematic. And this is another level. And the writing really does, you know, the writing and story really does drive this too. So I think before we get too long-winded today and as we wind down talking about two and three, I think it's important to also just point out that the story and storylines so far are so compelling. Like, I just really want more of so much. And now we have... As we said, these betrayals and darker storylines have come out in the family. We have this sort of what's going to happen with Julia, what's going to happen with this girl who likes his shirt, what's going to happen with Casey and her new boyfriend. Like it's just the storylines are kind of unending in a way almost already. And it's, yeah, it's just really fun to have a show where you're so like, like it's hard to pause almost and not just binge even, you know, as rich and deep as these are. And I'm glad we do take the time. But Steve, you know, mm-hmm. we do have this new format. So <laughs> this show is not quite as long a first season as some other ones. So it still is up to you if you want to take on watching. I believe there's, what, uh, eight, seven, eight, nine more. Um it's a 10 to 12 episode first season, I believe. So a few more. Steve, are you interested in watching the rest of this first season and then talking about it? Well, I think it's been pretty clear throughout <laughs> this podcast that, yes, I'm I'm definitely interested. And it took, it was a little slow at first, yeah. the pilot. I think because of how complex everything Everything that they were exploring yeah. and the vastness of, of each thing and richness of it. Yeah. But it really has emerged, especially after this th- third episode, as 
one of these shows that is firing on all cylinders from the writing and the acting and the directing and the the production, the high school and and just the different places that it's going, everything is just so believable and yeah. and just really locks you into these stories. So I am totally on board. I would love it if our friends out there that are listening would watch with me if you've or with Eli if you've seen it before, but with me if you haven't seen it, watch the rest of the first season of Atypical on Netflix. And join us on the next podcast where we we talk about it. Talk about where these characters are at that point after this full first season. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be really fascinating. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. And like many of our shows, Atypical has multiple seasons. And, you know, some of the shows we've done are active. Some are completed. This was just very recently completed. So... Uh, I'm very excited to rewatch the first season with you, come back and talk about it. And there's a lot more after that, too. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode, episode 34 now of Shows with Friends. What a journey. <laughs> we will be back next time to talk about the rest of season one of Atypical on Netflix. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.